Amen. Well, I felt in my heart before just abruptly going back into 1 Peter. I have friends that are pastors that take the liberty, even when they're in the middle of a book, to take multiple weeks or even months off to speak to what the Lord is saying. So we are going to pick up eventually on 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, but not this morning. It was impressed upon my heart this week. I wanted to look back about what we've just walked through as a church the last couple of weeks, make a few comments to prepare us for what God has next. So it's really cool. It's called the internet and it's called podcasts, but you can go, even if you haven't been with us for two weeks, you can go back and watch on our YouTube, Facebook, or our podcast, or our website to check out. Um, it was an honor to host my mom and dad for 13 days. <laughs> my, friend, my friend John, one of my best friends, John, he's a pastor of Equippers Central Coast, he said, there's usually a time limit. In 13 days, it's right there. And I know my mom and dad are probably watching. I love you, whatever camera's on me right now. They're driving home, and I'm just doing this so that the people in the room laugh. I love you. I honor you. Um, but it was, a, it was just a hoot. It was at just the right time for me, I think, for our church to have dad get to minister. Uh, just his mantle, what he carries, what he releases all over the country, all over the world through the internet. And so let's debrief just very briefly. Two Sundays ago, dad taught on the 16 different demonic spirits that, that seek to kill, steal, and destroy. Everyone remember that teaching? It was a profound teaching. He didn't, he just talked about how the enemy is relentless in his pursuit to destroy what God has said is good. And at the pinnacle of God's creation is you and I to bear his image and to reflect and respond to his loving leadership. So dad named them, but then he also didn't just name the reality of the war that we're in. He also walked us through really a tool that, that you can use every day of your life until you see Jesus Christ. He, he talked and walked us through the power of acknowledging the wrongs that have been done to you, bringing the, the, the pain, bringing the debt that others owe you in your pain. He brought us then next to seeing Jesus and asking Jesus if he has something better to offer us than the debt that they're never going to be able to pay us back. And then it was after that, responding to what Jesus has to offer us in our pain, we then release the other our, or ourselves through forgiveness. And then he said, there's that last phase that many of us have, have hopes that have been deferred or difficulties. We thought God promised, but he didn't come through. We choose to trust God's goodness in the midst of the mystery. And so that fourfold process, you bring the pain, Jesus, do you have something to better to offer? We forgive others, ourselves, and then we choose to trust God in the midst of the mystery. And then we had a beautiful time of binding and loosing the Matthew 18 privilege of 
sending all of those various spirits and works of the enemy to the foot of the cross. I love it to introduce them to the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. Amen? And then we all receive the blood of Jesus, the power of his sacrifice to cover us and our families and our generations in front, behind, and beside. And how many were thankful for the work that Jesus did? How many are still living in some measure of breakthrough or blessing from that ministry time? And then Wednesday night, Dad was with us to talk about the roller coaster ride between faith, fear, doubt, and unbelief. And if there was a one-liner takeaway, it's that faith comes by hearing. Everyone say hearing. Not by what you heard yesterday or 20 years ago or 35 years ago, but that moment-by-moment hearing and relational partnership with the Holy Spirit, the one who comes to continue to speak the words of Christ to us in our inner man or inner woman. That faith comes as a result of hearing, moment by moment, up to date, abiding with and cultivating friendship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So we talked about the power of faith on Wednesday night. And then we had a very profound and powerful time of healing. Many people were touched. Raise your hand if you were touched over the last Sunday or, or Wednesday night. Just a beautiful level of breakthrough and blessing. I'm almost done. And then finally, dad was with us on Sunday, this last week. And this last Sunday, dad walked through the book of Acts and the various unpredictable ways that the Holy Spirit ministered the the ongoing healing, deliverance, saving message and ministry of Jesus and just go listen to the tape, it was, or just read the book of Acts for yourself and highlight your Bible. That's all it was. It was just, what happened here? What happened there? What happened there? And the overarching canopy was, we can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. We want him to run wild and free to do what's in the Father's heart. To heal how he wants to heal, to minister how he wants to minister. And then several people were healed um, last week, who was touched in some, not some, in a real measure in your spirit, soul, mind, or body the last two weeks? Raise them up. A few people. Okay, yeah. Good, good. Praise the Lord. And so let's just pause. And in the Bible, in Romans chapter 1, Paul is longing to visit the church in Rome because he carries something in the grace of God that that church needed to receive. It's called an impartation. Everybody say impartation. I don't know in Espanol, sorry. A gift, a deposit. She got it. And so Paul's longing to go to a place that he hasn't been in person because he knows he carries something unique. How many think God has... I don't infinite maybe. The, the multiplicity of his grace, 1 Peter 4, 12, is, is, it's dynamic and it's, it's multifaceted. How many think there are multifaceted realities to God? <laughs> Who he is, what he carries, what he thinks, what he does, his wisdom, his beauty, his power, his wonder, etc. And so what I want us to do as a church is I want us to pause before Pastor Chad goes on to just receive these gifts of faith, 
these gifts of breakthrough, this impartation that my God, for some reason, chose my dad. You know, it's not just because he's my dad. You can ask hundreds and thousands of leaders globally the uniqueness of his, God's hand on his life to activate the church to believe that the ministry of Jesus is continuing through Jesus' submitted people. I would say in a nutshell, that's what he carries. He activates, he models, teaches, and then imparts faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so can we just, just in a posture of receptivity, I don't want to add anything yet, but can we just as a church say we receive the impartation and the deposit of the gift of the faith and the ongoing ministry of Jesus from your servant, Dan Bohai. In Jesus' name, amen. In other words, it would be such a bummer if all of us received tools to get free and to stay free from demonic oppression and the lies of the enemy and then to receive healing and to hear all this ways the Holy Spirit wants to keep ministering and for us just to go, oh, that was nice, that was cute, that was clever. How many want to pick that thing up and walk further in? Walk deeper in. And it's okay, I'm not, I'm not looking for hype. I just, I want to do honor the privilege of getting to receive what we just received. And I want to walk in it. I want us to go further in further into what Jesus has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So go check those things out. It was powerful. And and we'd actually love to hear testimonies. If you want to email the office, we'd love to hear the various ways that God has ministered these last few weeks. And then this last week, if you drove by the building, we had a tent of meeting. Thank you, Patty, for laughing at my joke. The, the building was fumigated. And so Robert, I don't think he's in here this morning, but he sent me a photo and so did, uh, so did um, Lorraine. Our, our building was fumigated. It's, the building is very, very old. And it's, to my knowledge, someone who's the oldest member here, it's never been fumigated in all these years. And so... It, it was a sight to see. He, anyone seen fumigation? Raise your hand. Just it's the, a tent, and 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 I, you know, okay, Pastor Chad, you're trying to be spiritual and always trying to find spiritual meanings. Well, what else is there to do if you are spirit filled, spirit led with the mind of Christ? I'd rather be. Well, anyway, but what I saw, what I was praying for while the office was closed was that God would destroy all the creepy critters that are still holding on to this place or our lives and that we would experience a new realm and reality of his abiding, dwelling power and presence. And as you know, the, yeah, come on. I, I, maybe you didn't pray that. Maybe you were like, oh, hurry up and get the tent off. But I'm like, Lord, leave the tent on as long as it needs to stay on. Get rid of all the critters, all the crusties, all the, the enemy's lies or the pain of the past or whatever. Let all the good stuff rise to the top. But we just got tented. Everyone say, we just got tented. We got 
tabernacled. That's what I'm declaring in the grace of God. And so my, my little thought this morning in light of receiving the, the deposit that we just received the last couple weeks was a, a couple things. Number one, the reason the Son of Man came, I've been quoting this for 20 years. I've memorized it when I was in my teenage years, so I'm 37. The reason the Son of God came, everyone say came, was to destroy the devil's work. Um, and the reason he still visits us and comes is to destroy the work of the enemy in our lives. Amen? So how many believe that Jesus Christ came as a man 2,000 years ago? He, I walked where he walked. I've been to Israel. He came. And then how many know he has come and visited hundreds, millions of times since he walked on the earth as a man in the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Everyone say amen. So he came and he comes, okay? He came and he comes. And when he came and when he comes, it's the nothing is impossible realm in reality. Amen? Amen? Amen. He can do anything. He speaks and worlds are formed, right? He, he, he releases a judgment and a nation is overthrown. He raises up what some believe to be a stammering stutterer who spent 40 years hanging out with sheep to deliver some a million plus people through a sea that was uncrossable and in a desert that's uninhabitable. How many believe when he came and when he comes, everything is possible? And so I want to acknowledge that he came and he comes and he's done some cool things these last few weeks and years, etc. But the thought this week, and I just want to start, I want to wet our spiritual palates. He doesn't just want to be a visitor. He wants to find a people that will say, we want you not just to came and to come, but to stay. That's my thought today. I don't want to live with the picture that I have an absentee father who just visits on the weekends. I don't want to view what God wants to do through his son and by his spirit at the end of the age that he's not renting space from us where he just, you know, periodically shows up and then vanishes. He wants to establish dwelling places all over the earth where he doesn't just came or comes, but he stays, abides, and dwells with. And I just was overwhelmed by the reason why the Old Testament is so fun is because you have these great stories, right? Like, the, I've, I've just been prayer, like, the fire by night and the cloud by day. How many wish they could have seen the cloud by day and the fire by night? That would have been so cool. Right? And the children of Israel. It would have been pretty sweet to see a river at flood stage, Joshua 3, stop at the city of Adam so that Israel can cross over to the promised land. It would have been pretty cool. Come on. 
It would have been pretty cool. It would have been pretty cool to see a guy make it on a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights to come down with a glowing face. The Bible actually says his face was radiant. <laughs> From exposure to the sun. <laughs> and I just began, you know, obviously Daniel, though I love all the stories. I'm not going to preach the Old Testament like my dad preached the book, whole book of Acts in a service. But I am so provoked that what had glory, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 18, compared to the surpassing glory of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what had so much, these stories that cause our emotions to run wild, our emotions, our imaginations to, oh my goodness, can you imagine the sea, the river, the manna, the water from rocks, the giant that falls from a little stone from a teenager, the, the lion's mouth being shut, the whole enchilada, the whole story. What had glory compared to what we have access to through Jesus by the Holy Spirit? What was so glorious now pales in comparison to what you and I have access to. But you know what? We don't, would we, can we just be honest? I was praying for logs to be removed from my eyes this morning on my drive in. Would we be honest? That is many times far below what we experience or expect. Can we just, I'll just say. Amen. I'm not being mean or heavy handed. I'm being confessional. I'm confessing. I, and because I've just been reflecting all week on it. His desire to dwell. He doesn't just want, he didn't. He came. He doesn't just like to come. He wants to stay and to dwell among a people who stop what they're doing and to begin to enter into a conversation and a dialogue. What would it look like? Not just that we would hang out in a building, do not misquote me, but that when we uniquely gather together in the name of Jesus right here in this location, this people he does, he's not just a visitor, he's welcomed as the master of the banquet, the head of his church, the Lord of history, the king, the judge, the master, the ruler. And then when he shows up, all of us defer to him. And as we defer to him, we actually go further out of that deference to what he's thinking, feeling, saying, wanting to do, we then even, this is gnarly, Ephesians 5.21, we then submit to each other as all of us are deferring to him, we submit to each other. And I'm convinced in that environment of submission to him, submission to each other, he actually finds a place that he can say, that's my home. If that becomes the posture and orientation of our life, he will not just visit us, he will set up resonance in our midst. Should that become our posture. And so I just was thinking about all the Old Testament, the glory of these stories. The glory of these stories. And then that little passage in 2 Corinthians 3, that Paul is talking about the glory of the new reality Jesus Christ has made available through his shed blood, his torn body, the torn veil, the all-access pass we have into the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God with boldness, confidence, cleansing, access, anointing, and authority and acceptance through the very righteousness of Christ that is ours by faith. He's saying what is now available to every one of us in this room and the earth is so much more glorious than that which had glory. Now it looks like it doesn't even have any glory. 
And so all week I've been like, Lord, really? Is that really true? Is that really what you want to do among us? Do you really want to stay? You don't want to just visit. You want to stay. You want to set up residence. You want to dwell among us. And my last point, and then we're just going to pray and then investigate these things. God's desire has never been just to visit on occasion. His desire has always been to dwell. And it's interesting, again, we just, we just prayed a prayer of receiving the gift and the, the impartation, the deposit. How many remember this part in Jesus' prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pray it with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on, a little louder, on as it is where? In heaven. And, and how many have heard this prayer? And usually when you hear preachers preach it or people pray it, it usually is in the realm of, God, in your kingdom, there's no sickness, so bring healing. Raise your hand if you're tracking with me. God, in your kingdom, no one's bound by sin, so bring breakthrough and blessing through salvation through your son. God, in your, come on, someone help me. Usually when we think in the kingdom, your power, your, your glory, let it come on the earth as it is in heaven. But there's a, actually a dynamic that's happening in heaven that just, I'm not, it's not new, it's very old, it's as old as the Bible. And how many know God loves to do those things? Someone say amen. He loves to heal. He loves to show up. He loves to visit. He loves to save. He loves to rescue. He loves to provide. He loves to reveal his glory. He loves to release his power. He loves to adopt, to regenerate, to save, to sanctify, to reconcile. I could go on. He loves all of that. It's what he does. But there's something more, even more glorious, and I know what he does flows from who he is, but there's something that is happening in God's realm that I think goes even deeper than his visitations and his glimmers of glory and power and salvation. What is happening in heaven is God's dwelling there. Let the pen drop. Quiet. It's okay. Think about it. When we pray on earth as it is in heaven, yes, it's all of those things. Come in power, save my neighbor, blah, 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 heal, provide, etc. But principally, what makes heaven so glorious is it's the dwelling place of God. Where there is no confusion in the third heaven, the, 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 the highest heavens, there's no confusion of the supremacy, sufficiency, the reign, the rule, realm, and reality of God. All, all of heaven in the, in, in, in the heavenly realms are convinced that he is the center of the story. And so when we pray on earth as it is in heaven, yes, we're praying for him to do all these things. But I just, in my heart, the Lord marked me Also, when you're praying that prayer, beyond just what I can do when I show up is a cry for the dwelling of God to be with man. And then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. The first heaven, first earth passed away. There was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse 3 of Revelation 21, I heard a loud voice saying, look, everyone say, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Say that with me. He will dwell with him. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. I'm making everything new. Write this down. The words are trustworthy and true. And so, yes, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven includes healing, salvation, deliverance, restoration. But I think the journey maybe we're going to go on is it's more than all of those things. It's him that we're after. How many know when that happens, if you have kids or grandkids, where it's not just about a transactional reality. Dad, you can do this, so I ask you to do, and God loves the transactional part of our relationship, hear me. He loves when we ask him that we'll you know, get an A on our test or we'll get the job. Everyone say amen. He loves the whole process of our maturation yeah. and our immaturity. But I think that the season we're in, yes, increased miracles, increased power, increased salvation, but I think the ache of the bride, the people of God, for her king to come to make all things new and to settle the accounts and to bring his justice and judgment, the deeper ache is, Jesus, we want you. Are you seeing the difference? Again, it's hard to, you can't really detach who he is from what he wants to do, but it's actually deeper. We want you in our midst. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth that it's in heaven, and principally our future, there will not be a need for healing from sickness, from forgiveness for sins. You're, you're dealing with that and have dealt with that, but principally our future is you dwelling among us and us being your people. There's no need for a sun or for a moon. The lamb is its lamp and its light. That's our future. And so I think increasingly our cry is, yes, do what you love to do, save, heal, deliver, save, et cetera. But I think principally the, the journey the Lord wants to take us on is, God, more than anything, we want you to dwell among us. And whatever the cost, whatever the price, whatever you're asking us to do, we don't want you just to visit with power. We want you to abide with and dwell your very character and nature that you are seen, cherished, wanted, loved, pursued, yielded to, surrendered to, ministered to. We want you, Jesus. And everyone knows that, that moment as a dad or a, a grandparent or, or you know, a mentor. There's these little, little glimmers our kids give us when they come out of transaction mode. Do this for me, please to affection mode. Come on, how many remember that when that happened from your kid? They jumped in your lap and the first thing wasn't, I want the new Lego. <laughs> I love that phase. It's an, I told you, I told the team earlier before service, I, I prop my, I'm dead serious. Just yesterday, I'm walking down the stairs, I'm watching my kids and my kids are just barking orders. I want butter bread, I want this and I want that. And I'm not kidding, I prayed out loud before my foot hit the last step. I said, Lord, I love. It was just a cheesy, simple prayer out loud. No one heard it, but God. 
I love being needed and wanted by my, I love doing things for my kids. So you got to hear me. God loves the transactional reality. God, we need, we can't, you can, we need, you have come, bring it. But I'm telling you at the end of the age that the, the, the cry of the church is not just God visit us temporarily, do stuff for us. It's we need, it's so dark, it's so heavy, nothing else will do. But you, we need you. We need you in our midst. We need, and there's a point as a dad that when my kids are not functioning out of the transaction, do this, this, and this. And they just release affection. Dad, I love you for who you are. Dad, I, I just want to be with you when you're doing A, B, C, and D. I want you to know God will always love every, I can give you a bunch of Bible verses. He loves to be wanted, to be invited, to be asked. But the cry that God is, he's, I'm going to say he's cultivating in my heart is that cry for him to dwell among us. And if we get him, we get it all. The healing ministry, the saving ministry, the reconciliation ministry, the marriage ministry, the estranged kids, the parents ministry, we get everything when we get him. And so that, those were some of my thoughts. I wanted us to respond to what we've received and say, Lord, we receive the deposit of faith, breakthrough, healing, deliverance, forgiveness, those tools of prayer. And then I wanted to just, just to say that God doesn't just want to visit and show up on occasion. He wants to dwell among us. Amen? Amen. I didn't even touch on hardly anything, but that's the thought, to receive, to consider that, that we can actually have more of God together. That if what had glory now looks like it has no glory compared to the surpassing glory of what we have access to through Jesus by the Holy Spirit, grounded on his word and the merits of Christ, then friends, I want to go after that. I want to go after that. Jesus told this story. It's so amazing. Like, okay, Chad, so your kingdom come. It includes all those things, but it, principally it's that his dwelling would be with us because that's our future. There's this passage that's just unbelievable. How, how do we, so everyone asks the question, how do we grow towards that goal of becoming a dwelling house, a dwelling place? Not just as individuals, yes, as individuals, but as a community. Would that be a fair question? How do we grow? Here's how. Beautiful passage. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach it because it just speaks for itself. I'll make one point and we're going to pray and carry these seeds into our week. What does it mean to be a dwelling, I have a dwelling place for God? Matthew 11, beautiful passage. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Show me your ears. Check it out. To what can I compare this generation? Verse 16. They are like children in the marketplace calling out to others. We played the pipe for you. Everyone played. But you didn't dance. We sang a dirge, the blues. And you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. But the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her 
deeds. Step one, I would argue the most important step by far. How do we become a dwelling place? We become students of the character and activity of God. Notice the flow of thought here. We played a song for you, a pipe, but you're not dancing. We sang the blues. I'm not going to sing the blues. And you're not crying. Jesus is rebuking his generation because they were so wrapped in their preconceived ideas of when God shows up, certainly when God sends his Messiah, it's going to look like A, B, C, and D. So we're playing the scripts and the narratives that we assumed you want us to play. You want to know step one to becoming a dwelling place? He's the center of the story, the main actor. We all become students of his activity, his word, his character, and his presence. That's all. I'm just going to leave that there. When we gather together, yes, it's, you're missing the point of everything, but Chad, we just saying, no, 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 you're missing the point. The point is, step one to becoming that dwelling is that he takes the cake, he trumps every card, what he's thinking, feeling, saying, wanting to do. We want to become students of that together. Yes, of our corporate entity in life, but in our personal lives too. What are you doing? What are you saying? How are you moving? I want to respond. I want to respond, receive, and then partner. Say it with me. Respond, receive, and then partner. And I love this. Well, I don't love it. Jesus is rebuking. You guys are all playing the wrong song, the wrong tune. You're wanting me. You just picture it. They're playing the pipe. And Jesus is like, I'm not into that song. All of Jesus' ministry, people are trying to shove him in a preconceived messianic Davidic king box. And how many believe we still do the same thing today? I want to let him out of his cage as if, God, we can put, you know what I'm saying. I just want to be a student of him and defer to what he says, thinks, feels, and wants to do in any given scenario, whether it's one-on-one, me by myself, or in the gathering, step one to becoming a dwelling place for God. He is the agenda. And I wanna learn to become a student of what he's doing, his character, his word, his thoughts, his ideas, his wisdom, his ways, his mighty deeds, so that when he starts moving and ministering and and manifesting what's on his heart. I'm not so wrapped up in my solo that I miss it. Amen? And that's why he rebukes him. Like, because they had a preconceived idea of what it was like when God showed up, they missed the first, they missed the ministry of John, which was glorious, and now they're misdiagnosing the ministry of Jesus. How many want to say, we want to become a dwelling place, and step one is to begin to defer and to have ears, eyes, and hearts turn towards the one who wants to minister in a profound way. Every time we gather, he has an agenda. He has a plan and a purpose. We played the pipe, but you're not dancing. We sang the blues, but you're not crying. Step one is to, and it's a discipline, because how many know most of us came through these doors with some sort of an agenda? 
All of us do. I got to go to the grocery store. How many know you and I carry agenda with us like it's the air we breathe? We have a plan. We have a purpose. And this has nothing to do with recklessness. Give me a break. No. But increasingly, as we begin to gather, what if each of our prayers was, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you saying? What are you showing? What are you revealing as it pertains to your character, about your thoughts, about your emotions, about your plans and purposes? How can I respond to, receive, and then participate in the flow of what you're wanting to do? Amen? Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Again, this is introductory. I'm going to land the plane right there. The, 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 so we've received the deposit from the last few weeks. And we just started a conversation. I want you, please, please, this week, use a Bible app. Google it. Dwelling place of God. Look up the passages. Read the Psalm. Psalm 27, Psalm 132, Psalm 60. I mean, just go on a journey. Type the word dwelling, dwelling place, habitation. Just go on your own hunt and just begin to fill your mind with the promises of God as it pertains to what his agenda has been from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. 21? Help me out. I just got caught red-handed. Is there 22 chapters or 21 in Revelation? That was going to bug me. Hold on. Come on, it's on your last page of your Bibles. 22. You, li- you liar. I knew it was 22. I said 22. And what you'll see, Genesis 1, dwelling with, walking in the cool of the garden. G- Revelation 20. I already read the passage, the dwelling of God's with, and all in between. That's all he's been after. Where are the people I can dwell among? That's like been his sole agenda. I just want to be with you. Emmanuel, hello. I just want to be with you. And then his last, that's, the, that's his name, Emmanuel. And then his last word to his disciples, I'm with you always. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And so, Father, I pray right now that we would go on a journey into the very heart, mind, will, and emotions, and word that we would go on a hunt. What does it mean to become a dwelling place? We know, John 14, 23, that, that those who love you and obey you, you and the Father come and make their home in us. And yes, we want individually to be your dwelling, but God, there's, a, there's even a higher call. We're asking for, for you to make us your dwelling place at this church, in this location. So would you take us on a journey? I pray right now that this message would not go in one ear out the other. I pray for the, the spirit of hunger to fall upon our church. I pray for the spirit of of, of discovery to fall upon our church. I pray this week someone would be shocked by their discovery of all the passages that talk about the dwelling place of God. God, take us on a journey from the garden to the tabernacle, to the tent and tabernacle of David, to the temple of Solomon, to the word made flesh, the tabernacle dwelling among us in Jesus, the one full of grace and truth. And then that Ephesians 2, Acts 2, the temple of the Holy Spirit as the corporate people of God and that promise of Revelation 21 that you'll come and dwell amongst your people forever. I just, I just pray, Lord, send us on a hunt. Send us on a journey this week. What would it mean for us to become that dwelling place of his presence, of his character, of his glory?
So Lord, I just praise you and just say, Holy Spirit, stir a hunger in us. Pray that with me. Holy Spirit, stir a hunger in us pertaining to the dwelling place of God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. If you've got prayer, come on up. We'll pray. We will see you this week. Bless you, bless you, bless you.